we're going to read the same passage we uh, read a couple of passages last Sunday. Um, uh, but I want to say this first. Acts, we're going to read from the book of Acts. This time of year, we have often um, had an emphasis on the Holy Spirit because the day of Pentecost was just, I think, now uh, three weeks ago. Um, but Acts, the book of Acts, the fifth book of the New Testament, is like no other book in the Bible. Uh, the first four, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are, of course, accounts about Jesus' life. And then the book of Acts um, speaks about the first generation of people after the cross and resurrection, like the people who witnessed it and the first ones who lived out the reality that the cross and resurrection of Christ uh, purchased for us. The, the reality of how that impacts individual lives and the world. And so this is a significant book because it gives us a picture of what the first disciples uh, were involved in. And it, it shows, uh, I, I love that it shows them standing together, it shows them praying together, shows them reaching out to the lost uh, with the gospel together, sharing their belongings with one another. It wasn't just, oh, this is a spiritual thing. No, it affected every aspect of life. It shows them addressing conflict and need. It shows them uh, together receiving visions and miracles and direction from God. And in all of it, the Holy Spirit, some call the book of Acts the gospel of the Holy Spirit or the acts of the Holy Spirit. It's called the acts of the apostles. It's really the acts of the Holy Spirit. What did he do in this new era after Christ had gone to the cross, raised from the dead, and then ascended to heaven, which is where the book begins. But then the Holy Spirit's poured out and the people of God are revolutionized. In everything we see in this book, we see the Holy Spirit actively filling and leading and empowering the people of God to represent Jesus and to present him to the world. That's what the book is about. So Acts chapter 1 verses 4 and 5. I'm going to sort of speed through this because there are a number of other passages I'd like to touch on as we um, uh, go through this today. And I'll try my best uh, to wrap up um, in a timely fashion. Uh, chapter, uh, sorry, chapter 1 verse uh, uh, 4. Of Acts, and gathering them together, Jesus gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Every time I read that, we have a sense, because if you read the next chapter, we kind of know what that looked like. But these guys, this well, I say these guys, about 120 people, as we'll see a little bit later on, are gathered together, men and women. They're gathered together. They hear this. Not many days from now, the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out. You're going to be baptized. Now, they have an idea. Baptism was what John was doing. They went to the river. They went into the river. John took them and he immersed them. That's what baptized means, to be immersed. They would be immersed in the water and come up out of it, and that was for the forgiveness of their sins. Now he's saying, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? 
we maybe, you know, are grasping. What does it mean? And, and I'm not stretching this because look where the disciples go. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they were asking Jesus, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? They did not get it at all. They're a lot like us. They didn't get it. He said it. But they're like, okay, we don't know what that means. But the thing that fit into their framework, their worldview, was that God was going to restore the golden age back to Israel. So they say, is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? Jesus, (laughs) I love that Jesus doesn't feel often like he needs to give a lot of time to our questions when they're, you know, missing the mark. I mean, they're not hitting the bullseye. They're not hitting the, the target. They're off somewhere over here. You know, there's the target. They're shooting over here. And Jesus just comes right back to what he's got in mind, his agenda. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the epochs, these seasons. It's not for you to know all of that stuff, which the Father has fixed by his own authority. Don't even think about it. You're not going to figure it out. Don't even worry about that right now. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. It's like, oh, Jesus, we don't quite know what you're talking about. But is this the time? It's like, no. Don't even ask about that. You're not going to figure it out. But here's what you are going to receive. You're not going to know about the times and the seasons and all of these kinds of things. But what you are going to get is power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then he was raised up. They saw him going to heaven. And they, you know, okay, what did he mean? I don't know. But what did they do? They go in verse 14. They go there and they're all staying together in this upper room, verse, sorry, verse 13, where they were staying, Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, a whole bunch of them, along with the women, it says, that had traveled with them. These all, verse 14, with one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. That's what they go to do. Ten days later, chapter 2, verse 1, When the day of Pentecost had come, Jesus is gone for 10 days. He said, not many days from now. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues of fire distributing themselves on each one. Distributing themselves and they rested on each of them. That's cool. I heard somebody try to dismiss it and say they were in Solomon's colonnade, which is part of the temple, where there were a number of pillars. And they said, probably it's early in the morning, the sun's coming through, and they're seeing the sun sort of flickering through the things. And, oh, it looks like fire on each of their heads. Well, maybe, maybe it looked like that, but I believe what this says, that fire... Little tongues of fire, small fires, were resting on each person. Now, how many would like to see that? Man, I would. Why not? I think that would boost my faith. (laughs) I heard that in the Azusa Street revival, that the fire department was called. That was in 1906. 
The fire department was called a few times because when they were having a meeting and they were praying that the presence of God was so strong that it looked like there was a fire. And the fire department showed up and came in. It's like, what are you guys doing here? And it's like, well, people reported seeing a fire. But, you know, then they come in and there's nothing there. And they probably got saved. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I would like to see it. I don't know exactly what it was, what it looked like, but I believe it was a supernatural phenomenon because look what else happened. These tongues of fire rest on them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just, oh, we got a little taste and, ooh, I felt goosebumps for a second. No, they got filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit was enabling them or giving them utterance. They began to speak with other languages. Then it lists 15 different nations. Jews from 15 different nations. They were all in Jerusalem because it was a... Uh, a significant time, a significant holiday for the Jews. So all these people are there and they hear them. It says they heard them each speaking their own languages. And somebody mocked and said, I think they're drunk. Now, you've heard me say this before, but I think it's funny. Before I got saved, I, I did some drinking. No. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I know you're looking and you're shocked because you think he's... he's He's so pious. He's so holy. But there were a few times per day that I was drinking heavily. Never when I got drunk did I start speaking another language. (laughs) I don't know, you know, uh, look at that. Somebody says, oh, they're just full of wine. And it's like, when did that ever happen? Did that happen to anybody here that you, well, I don't want you to admit to getting drunk, but if you did, you spoke in another language. No. Maybe I haven't drunk enough. I need to drink more. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. That slurred kind of thing, yeah. But not another language where they said we recognize it. No, never, never. Uh, That kind of thing just doesn't happen. So here they are. This phenomenon happens. And then they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Then look at in uh, chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Peter, he goes out to preach. Filled with the Holy Spirit. He speaks to the rulers and the leaders of Israel. And it says Peter is full of the Holy Spirit. Verse 31, after they've been thrown in jail and they get out because they they can't do anything to these people because they see a miracle. It says they go back, they pray together. The place where they were gathered was shaken like an earthquake and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit again. These are people that have been filled, now they're filled again. Chapter 6, verse 3. They need deacons because they've got some serving that needs to take place. And so the apostles say, here's what we want you to do. Want you to do. Get seven people. Here's the criteria. Select from among you, brethren, seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom that we may put in charge of this task. Then it says who they are. And it says, the statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip and Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, these uh, proselyte from Antioch. They get these people who are full of the Spirit. Then you look a little further on, chapter uh, 7, the end of chapter 7, Stephen is one of those people, full of the Spirit. Now, it, the, the um, 
Jews are persecuting him. They're stoning him. And it says, being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he spoke it out and they went crazy because he was saying he could see God, the Son of God. But it says he was full of the Spirit. All through the book of Acts, you see things where they're filled with the Spirit again, full of the Spirit. It wasn't just one time. This being filled with the Spirit or being full of the Spirit is the accepted norm in the book of Acts. It's, it's normal Christianity. It's not for the elite. It's not for just a few special ones. It's the accepted norm of the first century church. Walking in the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, baptized uh, in the Spirit, strengthened, sanctified, led by the Spirit. That was normal for the Christian church. Oh, what a blessed time in history. That's, that, that's true, it was. It's just too bad that God's will for the first century church is so much greater than his will for the 21st century church. Not is right. God didn't do that for them and then say, oh, in the 21st century, they're not going to need the Holy Spirit like they did then. I don't believe that. There are people that do believe something close to that. The need is just as grave in this century as it was in the first century. Amen? Amen? Look around the world, man. There's a lot of stuff. The need is just as great. The Holy Spirit is just as powerful, yes. just as necessary. He's just as jealous for Jesus' glory as he ever was. He wants Jesus glorified. The cross and resurrection is just as sufficient in the 21st century as it was in the 1st century to save people. It's just as good. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to bring through us to the world. God will use us like he used these people in the 1st century, 2,000 years later. You know, I've heard it said, and I have no reason to doubt this, there are as many people on the planet today as there have, in this generation, as there have been in all the generations prior to this. Eight, eight billion people about, somewhere in that range. That in all of human history, it's not been more than that. Do you think God is looking and he, he somehow is not as interested in the eight billion souls and whatever portion of that are lost souls? It's big enough. I don't know what the numbers are. I know that Probably about the time, maybe 30 years ago, I had heard that there were close to a billion Catholics. And 30 years ago, I think the population of the world was only just over 5 billion or something in that range, or 6, something like that. Nearly a billion Catholics. I know there are somewhere around a billion Muslims in the world. And I don't know how many would be considered evangelical or Protestant uh, Pentecostal, that kind of thing. It's somewhere, again, close to a billion uh, people. So outside of all of that, let's just say there are lots of people that need the gospel. And they need 
people that are full of the Holy Spirit who adequately represent Jesus. Not just, oh, I know some things, but no, they're living it out and the living Holy Spirit is operating in and through them. Fill us with the Holy Spirit, God. The need is as the Holy Spirit is as relevant today as he was in the book of Acts. Just as necessary so that it should be just as normal for you and me to say, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. I need him. I need him today. I need him personally because I struggle with some things. I need him. He works to sanctify us, to change us, to uh, transform us. I need him personally. I need him to do this. I need him to do lots of things. I I need him to show me, to direct me. Just yesterday, somebody was talking to me who said, you know, I, I need some direction. And I wish it sometimes just came like, you know, all of a sudden this guy opens up and there's a neon light that says, go this way. I wish. <laughs> it doesn't really happen. But the Holy Spirit comes and he nudges sometimes. Sometimes I feel like I hear a word like, do this. But more often, it's more like a sense of something. Anybody ever get that? Where it's like, I can't tell you exactly, but I have a sense that God said, no, give this up. I don't want to give that up, but it's a sense that, no, this is not going to be good for you. Do that. And other times, it's through a person. A person just, and I appreciate that. Even Michael praying for Pastor Mel. There have been a few times in my life where I needed some direction and I needed someone I could trust who is my senior in Christ. And actually, even naturally, it helped that it was someone the same age as my dad who could say, I love it because there were a few times where I'm sort of waffling and I want to please people. And, you know, I don't want to, you know, just be too, you know, whatever, strong in one thing or too rigid. And... Pastor Mel looked at me, we're sitting in a white spot, and I asked him something, he looks at me, and he just says, John, stop doing that, do this. (laughs) All right, that's fairly clear. (laughs) I'll do that, you know, can I finish my french fries first? Yes, you know, (laughs) it helps, God speaks through people, we need it, like that, but he's just as relevant, he wants to lead us, he wants to empower us, he wants to transform us, we need it. They, the, the disciples of the first century didn't have, like us, just a wonderful experience. They posted it on Facebook and it came up a year later and said, oh, what a wonderful memory from a year ago. And, you know, here's the photos on it. No, they kept coming back, kept getting filled, kept going out. The Holy Spirit has a mission for us to accomplish and he's going to keep empowering us, keep equipping us, keep giving us what we need until that job is done. Amen. Amen. I want to be a part of getting the job done. Going to the ends of the earth that Jesus talked about in all of this. What an experience. Yes, it was. My initial time getting baptized in the Holy Spirit was supernatural. It was cool. I liked it. But I've had some even cooler supernatural experiences since then. And I've had experiences since then that didn't even seem supernatural. But the result of them was it was something that God was doing so I need it I want it 
God does not give us an experience and then say, for the rest of your life, Ryan, you'll be looking back and saying, wow, that was the golden era. Those were the good old days. No, there are some, you know, we, we celebrate the cross and resurrection every year. That was a once in history event. Glorious. But it's actually pointing forward. We're not spending our whole life just looking back at it as a historical event. It was glorious, but it's pointing forward to eternal life for the people of God, with God, forever, in love relationship. That made it happen. It's a glorious event, but God doesn't want us to only live our lives looking back like this. No, there's something great coming ahead. The Jews were the same. They had this glorious event where Moses you know, led them out of Egypt and they celebrate it to this day as well they should. But that wasn't an end in itself. It was pointing forward actually to the cross and resurrection and forward to what God's going to do later. So what? So what about all of that? Here's what. There's always more. There's always more with God. You've had a great experience. Celebrate it. Enjoy it. Delight in it. Thank God for it and look forward to what else is yet to come there's more there's more life more hope more mercy more insight more of him more of his fullness i want it and i'm going to keep asking for it last week we read from i'm going to just turn there quickly we read from luke chapter 11 jesus speaking luke chapter 11 verses 9 to 13 he says to his disciples after telling the parable about a friend knocking on the door saying, I need bread, the guy said, I'm already in bed, I can't give it. He kept knocking, he finally gave it to him. Then Jesus says, I say to you, ask, it shall be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it'll be open to you. He finishes this passage up by saying, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Infinitely more. That God is that good. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Now, I said last week that those verbs, ask, seek, knock, are all continuous. So that it actually means ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Keep doing it. That's what it means. It doesn't mean you do it once. Well, why? Because God is reluctant? No, he's not reluctant. He wants to give the Holy Spirit more than we're open to receive. I can say that. I'm convinced of it. He says it because we need to keep getting filled. So we ask and we keep asking. We ask, he fills us, he uses us. Then we ask again because he's got more to do. Now in that, that said, this week, I said this last week, I'll say it again. I want to be one of these kind of people. How many people this week asked God at any time, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Did anybody do it? Yeah. Do it again this week, every time it crosses your mind. Can you imagine what, how we would be transformed if we asked in faith several times a day, maybe several times an hour, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to have coffee with this person in a little while. Fill me with the Spirit. I, I want this to be an a significant time, not just, you know, great, we had good fellowship, great. That that is a significant thing. But I want to be filled with the Spirit and be attuned to what you want to do, like when I see Jesus. Everywhere he went, things happened. He didn't just 
go to a wedding and, you know, have a good time and go home. No, something significant happened. He didn't just walk along the road. It's like when nothing happened, he's walking along and they bring a blind guy. Hey, shut up. He's crying out after Jesus and, no, no, bring him here. And, you know, what do you want me to do for you? He's like, duh, I'm blind. I want to be healed. And the guy says, I want to regain my sight. Okay, be it done to you according to your faith. And, whoa. And the guy joins in and off they go celebrating. It's like, I'm up for some of that. (laughs) I want to be full of the Spirit. So ask, this week, every time you think of it, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. I mean, you're at work. Don't shout it out or anything. You know, don't be dumb. You know, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit, you know. Um, I I want you to look now at uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, keep asking. Seek, keep seeking. Knock, keep knocking. Chapter 5, verse 18 of Ephesians, regarding the Holy Spirit again, it says this, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is, some translations say debauchery, some say excess. New American Standard says dissipation, which means excessive indulgence. Don't get drunk with wine, that's excessive indulgence. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Isn't it interesting that that gets connected again, just like it did in Acts chapter 2? There's something about the excess of it. He's saying, don't be involved in that kind of excess. Here's the excess to be involved in. Get filled and overfilled, excessively filled with the Holy Spirit again and again and again. Why be filled with something that is going to dull your faculties and end up not producing the intended or desired result anyway? Instead, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit because you're going to experience things then that are so beyond what you expected, so beyond what you could have asked. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. The word here that says be filled is actually continuous as well. Keep being filled. Some have translated it, be being filled. This is your way of being. Just continue to be filled. Be being filled constantly. Exactly what we're talking about. Ask again and again. Be filled with the Holy Spirit where reality is brought to us. Through the Holy Spirit. Power is brought to us. The truth is brought to us. The very same eternal spirit. That's mentioned in the second verse. Of the entire Bible. You know. In the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void. And the spirit of God. Hovered over the face of the deep. He was just waiting. For the word to be spoken. And as soon as it was. He brought form. He brought life. He brought some substance to it. It's like the Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit. This for me is kind of mind-blowing. That very same Spirit wants to live inside of us. Is that really possible? Yes. Is it God's will? Yes. Is it His desire? Yes. Why would we not desire... The spirit that created heaven and earth at the word of God. Why would we not want him living in us? 
showing us the truth, bringing us life, changing us, transforming, empowering, doing all of these things. Why would we not want that? He wants to live in you. Just say it. The Holy Spirit wants to live in me. Speak it out of your mouth right now. Look at somebody next to you. Look them in the eye and say, the Holy Spirit wants to live in you. And people always, when you do that, they laugh because it's kind of like, <laughs> no, I doubt it. You know, <laughs> Maybe in me, but in you, I don't know. No, yes, he does. The Holy Spirit wants to. Why, why would we not pray that prayer to ask and keep asking so that we can be and keep being filled with the Holy Spirit? Here's the one reason, and I'm going to close with this. There's more than one reason, but here's one significant one I want to touch on today. We're already full. We're already full of something. So we can't receive something else. You know, here's a a jug, and it's full of something. Here's something better. What are you going to do with this? Yeah, that's right. Get rid of it, empty it, so that the good stuff can go in there. They had those water pots at a, at a wedding that Jesus was at. They were for ceremonial washing, and I forget. It says they held something like 60 liters each or something like that. Or uh, It was a lot. And they were for water. So Jesus turned it into wine. They didn't actually have to empty those ones before they put something else in. But for us, we're full of stuff. Uh, now, just over a hundred years ago, I mentioned uh, the Azusa Street revival. The revival that sort of sparked that was in Wales. And uh, how many have heard of a guy named Evan Roberts? Maybe only a few people. This was a young guy. He had worked with his dad as a young man, I think 12 or 13. Uh, he had worked with his dad as a coal miner, which was not a nice life. And this kid was having these encounters with the Holy Spirit every night where God was showing him the nation of Wales with being lifted up to God and he had this number, a 100,000 souls and he started to pray for God to save a 100,000 souls in Wales. I don't know how big the country was but it's a small country. I'm sure that was a good number. Within a couple of years in the Welsh Revival, a quarter of a million people, I don't know how many of them were just Welsh, but a quarter of a million people came to Christ. And this young guy, they say, would often not even preach. People would come to his meetings. Often, he would just pray. Sometimes, he would just cry. Supposedly, people would come to see this guy cry at times. They'd be waiting outside, hoping somebody would leave so maybe they could come in and witness it happen. That apparently, Evan Roberts was just like a lightning rod for the Holy Spirit, where the presence of God, he would speak something simple, and people would weep, they would repent. Repentance and getting right with God was the mark of this revival. And this young guy, Evan Roberts, 
You can look it up. Uh, 1906, uh, sorry, 1904 is when the Welsh revival began. This young guy sparked revivals in China, Korea, India, East Africa, and Azusa Street. He was sort of uh, part of that. He affected that many. During his revival, his prayer, and this is what I want us to take, his prayer that people said they had memorized because they heard him say it so many times was, empty me, fill me, use me. Empty me, fill me, use me. Empty me of all the worldly stuff. Empty me of all the stuff that is really superfluous and unnecessary. Fill me with yourself. And then use me. Apparently in this revival, crime went down so much, and I've heard this before in other places, that the police began, they had so little that they needed to do that they formed choirs. They would go to revival meetings and sing. That brothels, that the women in brothels, this went a couple ways. They had so few customers coming now that they started forming choirs, and when a customer did come, they'd send them to the revival meeting, and they'd get saved. This thing. Apparently, I think this one is sort of... uh, Pubs went bankrupt. Some pubs went bankrupt because so few people were drinking. They just had no appetite for it because they had found something significantly more glorious. And the, the, the one that's humorous to me is that in the coal mines, they had to retrain the, uh, the, what they called the pit ponies, these little beasts of burden that would pull the stuff in the coal mines. They had to retrain them because they were so used to the foul mouths of the coal miners, they no longer understood what the coal miners were saying to them. Get the bleep, boom, boom, you know, and they would do it. And now they're coming in there, they've, they've so been transformed that the pit ponies didn't understand their commands. It's like, move this thing, and it's like, what, no... No (laughs) F-bombs? They don't get it anymore. They had to be retrained. I'm up for some of that. I don't mean I'm up for not swearing so much. I mean, I'm up for God transforming things like that. Amen? Not just. Here's the thing. Empty us, fill us, use us. And not just in the church. We don't want to just keep... If we tried to keep what the Holy Spirit wants to do just in amongst us, I think he's going to look for another place to do what he wants to do. He's going to go somewhere else. Empty me, God, of what's just worldly and useless. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and use me. Because God has purposes right within here. Praise God for that. But he also has a purpose for us, and then says, go. I've got people I want you to interact with. I've got people I need you to love, needs I want you to meet, Um, prayers I want you to pray. And if you're just in here, you know, you're not going to see all of that. You're not going to be where I want to touch. You know, Jesus was in the synagogues a lot. He was in the temple a fair bit. He was in places like that. But he was also in homes. He was on the streets. He was in the marketplace. He was out on a boat where guys are making their living fishing. He was in those places. We're in those places. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's ask right now.
Let's just ask. God, give us faith. Just say, God, empty me. And fill me. And use me. Holy Spirit, come. Convict me of sin. Cleanse me. Transform me. Fill me. And use me. I want to cooperate with you. Glorify the name of Jesus in my life. Amen.